Aaron and I want to start with a really big, heartfelt first bite thank you. We have been so encouraged by your kind word, your messages, your glowing reviews of First Bite. This has been a labor of love for the last year and a half, and we we are grateful for y'all being on the First Bite journey with us and supporting us because we, I mean, we work full time and this is, this is a full time gig on top of it. And we do it with joy because we understand that the world of early intervention pediatrics needs evidence in it. So we sweet talked the folks with speechtherapypd.com and as a thank you giveaway, we have come up with a, a free pod course subscription. So once we hit 130 iTunes written reviews, we're going to pull another name out of the hat, probably with the assistance of an ever so handsome goose and a bear. And that person will get a free pod course subscription. So over 175 hours of continuing ed plus 19 new continuing hours each month. And there's a new episode every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every other Thursday, and the short course, nine series long, all things ethics with Elise. And that's our way of giving back. So thank you. So please keep the reviews coming. We only have a few more to go, but once we hit 130, then we will pull that name out of a hat. Happy 2020. Thank you for joining us on the journey. And Seriously, y'all rock. Thank you. Hey, so by now, I'm hoping that you've heard about the brand new PodCore subscription that Speech Therapy PD has rolled out. For $79 a month, you get over 175 hours of ASHA continuing education with 19 new episodes a month. That's fantastic. Well, they want to make sure that you also know we have a brand new coupon code. So the coupon code is F as in first, B as in bite, followed by the number 20, FB20. And that brand new coupon code will give you $20 off the PodCore subscription. So you get 175 hours of continuing ed plus an average of 19 new hours a month, all for $59 a year. And we cover everything from early intervention to schools to adults to ethics. So be sure to type in F as in first, B as in bite, and then the number's 20. Enjoy your coupon, or as my kin folks say, enjoy that coupon. Hi, folks, and welcome to First Bite. Fed, fun, functional resources for the pediatric clinician. I am your host on this nerd venture, Michelle Dawson, MSCCC SLP, the All Things Peds SLP. I am a colleague in the trenches of home health early intervention, right there with you. I run my own private practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy, in Cola Town, South Carolina, and guest lecture nationwide on best practices for early intervention for the medically fragile child. First Bite's mission is short and sweet, to bring light and hope to the world for the pediatric clinician, parent, or advocate. In this podcast, we cover everything from AAC to breastfeeding, best practice for running a private practice, and all the nitty-gritty details involving feeding and swallowing by interviewing the subject matter experts themselves. 
we bring the data to you. Every fourth episode, I am joined by the lovely Erin Forward, MSP, CFSLP, a Yankee transplant who actually inspired this journey and who also walks the wild, woolly, and sometimes sticky walk of early intervention with us. Sit back, relax, and watch out for all the squirrels and enjoy this geeky gig brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. So today's episode falls in the fed, fun, and functional categories, and I am still in awe that we managed to pull it off. So wahoo for speechtherapypd.com, especially our producer Chad, for hanging with the beautiful chaos that has been our lives over the last few days and supporting our crazy schedules. Um, In case y'all have missed it, we are all having a week of first. Our sweet Erin packed up and moved in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic for an opportunity of a lifetime, working for an amazing nonprofit that focuses on evidence-based practice treatment and early intervention in pediatrics, and, and this is my favorite, Anne, community education regarding pediatric feeding disorders in the upstate South Carolina. Y'all, our girl is back to the Palmetto State, and um, we are, oh my God, I'm so freaking happy. Um, Pack Dawson, well, uh, we are learning how to homeschool, um, which includes lessons in Mandarin, and this mama does not speak Mandarin, so that's going for us, Um, and we're doing that for at least the next two to three weeks. While we're also learning if and when our Palmetto State will approve teletherapy for early intervention, while juggling um, what few patient schedules I can go see, um, we can treat. And Erin and I are both finishing edits on a book that we have been working on for the last several months. And, you know, just handling the regular day-to-day like laundry, keeping anxiety about finances at bay, doing dishes, and uh popping bubbles in the front yard because y'all tiny humans still need joy and laughter. So basically, we're creating a new norm in what Goose and Bear have affectionately dubbed the zombie apocalypse. Um, Please note that we are just trying to be positive. We both know people individually that have been significantly impacted by this virus. Um, My own daddy told me this morning that he is currently on a two-week quarantine from a possible exposure at the base back home. So trust me, we are not making light of the situation. Instead, we're trying to infuse joy, evidence-based practice, and hope in the middle of the storm. So before we get going, remember, everyone, we may weep for the moment. You may weep for the night. Panic about how you're going to make ends meet. But, and this is one of my favorite buts, there is always joy in the morning. So um, hashtag SLPs of faith. Um, but uh, let's get on with the joy. Erin, I do believe that you have a fantastic statistic. Hint, hint. Um, as you say, hail the pit. Did I do it right? I did you it did. right. Hail the pit. Yes. It's hail the pit. Easy. Um, did not go there, folks. Aaron did. I did not. I'm not cool. Um, so to kick us off, I'm pretty sure this may be why you love muscles and nerves so much. Um, what is your delightful statistic of the day, friend? Well, University of Pittsburgh is now ranked third 
and speech programs, which is very exciting. Yeah, that's your that's your alma mater, baby. Mm-hmm. Not this for is graduate you... school, but they taught me. I still have a communication science disorders degree from there. They're they know what they're doing up there. Yeah, they do. Um, also, it's cold, but they have a really pretty zoo. I don't know if it's open right now, but they have a very pretty zoo. I guess not. Uh, I don't know. Our zoo's closed along with everything. Also, fun fact, I have found a loophole on the toilet paper rule. And people, if you're listening and under a toilet paper catastrophe like um, Pack Dawson, it says one per customer. So I may or may not have given each tiny human their own wallet and pack of toilet paper so that we could check out. And somebody was like, why did you need so much toilet paper? Y'all, the five-year-old thinks he can wipe. Yeah. <laughs> no offense. To all the moms that have potty trained out there, how many toilets have you unclogged in the process of learning that process? <laughs> well, I barely had any room in my car, and I had three rolls of toilet paper left. And I was like, I need to find room in my car for these rolls of toilet paper because who knows? Yeah, yeah. Oh, toilet paper. But we have um, – I have to say our charter school has done an amazing job infusing um, – functional stuff in our home program so one of the science exercises was baking bread um and one of the math projects was counting sorting and matching socks which kudos to the teacher that designed that because i i don't match my socks i know it really it makes Goose crazy did you know that he's like doesn't she know they don't match and i'm like oh bobby you little engineer (laughs) It doesn't help that my cat steals them, so, like, I lose half of my socks, but... I mean, but you know where they are. They're under your big couch, right? Yeah, they're they're spread out. Sometimes they're in her water bowl. No. It just is yeah. what it is. But it's... Yes. Okay. Okay, so, y'all, um, uh, like I said in the Therapy Tip Thursday tip, um, this one's kind of, today's episode, slightly nerdy selfish. Um, I really, really want to get over, um, test anxiety personally and, um, apply for the, um, to sit for the exam for the BCSS licensure, but I need to beef up on my cranial nerves and my muscles because, um, I'll be totally honest. I suck at this. I have compartmentalized the need to know information, uh, and, memorizing which nerve innervates which part of my face was compartmentalized a long time ago. Not for Aaron, but that's okay. I did not go to the cool school. (laughs) I just, I have this blue book. I still have it. Shout out to Dr. Shaman from University of Pittsburgh because she was the, one of the best professors I've ever had. And she had this magical book that went through Anatomy and physiology of speech and swallowing. And I, this is like gold. And um, can you take a picture of that and post it? Yeah, I sure can. It yes. is, it's she, just the way that she taught it, because I don't memorize very well. Like I could never be a pharmacist. I can't just memorize things. They have to make sense. So everything she taught us was in the context of what it does, problem solving. As soon as we talk about a muscle, we talk about what it does and how if it's damaged, it can impact whether it's speech or swallowing or respiration. And 
I would just go to the library and draw muscles on faces or the larynx and it wouldn't look like anything, but in my head it made sense. And yeah, you can, you can borrow this too, if you need to, because it's yeah. I, I was just thinking I need that. So, squirrel. That's squirrel. okay. We're all, we're all about it. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I need a picture of this so we can post it. And, um, I'm going to go ahead and start with the easy part and let you carry the hard part. <laughs> yay for, yay for team effort here. Um, so when we go through, this is the only part I'm actually really good at in this entire episode, Erin. I'm banking on you, woman. Okay, no, so when the best we, part because I don't, I'm not good at making these up. Okay, I really okay. So this is this. I is told the you I don't part. memorize like that. I know, but all right, folks, we're talking about mnemonics. So what is a mnemonic? A mnemonic, um, M N E M O N I C S. A mnemonic is how it's a device. It's a memory learning device. So um, in case you need them, uh, one of the uh, mnemonics that I personally learned for remembering the 12 cranial nerves was um, on old Olympus towering tops, a Finn and German viewed some hops, right? Because whoop, whoop, Lady Monarch down at Old Dominion University, we have an amazing <laughs> rush week. So woohoo. Um, and that stands for the olfactory, optic, ocular, motor, trochlear, trigeminal, abdicines, facial, vestibular, cochlear, glossopharyngeal, vagus, accessory, hypoglossal. Okay. Now, um, one of my friends who's a pediatrician was like, we, we were talking about this last week because I told her what the upcoming episode was. And she goes, oh, honey, that is not how physicians study it. And I'm like, what did you learn? Um, and she told me it was, oh, 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 to touch and feel a girl's vagina. Ah, heaven. And I was like, oh my God. She's like, yeah, but you got to remember a good chunk of us are going to end up in like labor and delivery somewhere. I was like, okay, fair, but that, that made it worse. But um, some additional, um, and please remember, folks, that, you know, at one point in time, we all survived grad school, and these are funny and meant to be funny. Um, another one is on overly overgrown orangutans. Try to aggravate fat vacrants getting vodka and hamburgers. I can never remember that one. It doesn't, I it doesn't could, I roll. No. Yeah, no. But um, so those are some of the um, cranial nerve mnemonics. Um, clearly, the first one worked for me a lifetime ago, but there are a ton out there and you're welcome. <laughs> also, we may or may not have been binge watching Disney Plus and um, Moana was stuck in my head. Um, okay, so those are some of the mnemonics, but... Uh, and this is where it gets tricksy when you're studying your cranial nerves. Um, some of the cranial nerves are sensory, some of them are motor, and some of them are mixed. And within that sensory and motor, they have um, fantastic words like afferent and efferent, which is um, lovely and confusing. So, um, uh, Aaron, can you describe the difference between an efferent and efferent cranial nerve so afferent is sensory and that e is spelled a-f-f-e-r-e-n-t mm -hmm. and efferent is motor and I okay. always used to think of it like because e versus a e is exit so like 
you're sending the signal away to your muscles. Yeah. And And then afferent, like, is, I guess, in maybe effect is, like, how you feel about, I don't know. There's not, just efferent exit, I guess, is the way I remember it. Um, I, I, I have one for this afferent, the sensory, when it goes um, away from your body back to your brain because you're sensing something. That's how, like, I always remembered, like, efferent is exiting the brain stem or exiting the brain to tell the muscles how to move. And afferent, when it goes away from your body back to your brain to carry a message. Excuse oh, me. Salud. That's allergies, just so everyone knows. Um <laughs> <laughs> It's the yellow plague that's perfectly timed with the zombie apocalypse. Oh, God bless America. Okay. Yep. Uh, oh, Lord. I just made myself happy and sad all at once. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, uh, within that, you also have some of your cranial nerves are somatic or voluntary. And some of your cranial nerves are reflexive or visceral. And um, that's just kind of the lay of the land. So did we, everybody's clear as mud. You have 12 cranial nerves. Your sensory ones are, say it again, afferent. And your motor ones are efferent. Okay. And if it's a voluntary um, cranial nerve, it's um, somatic. means you get some control on that sucker. And if it's involuntary or reflexive, it's a visceral reflex. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kind of like if you um, smelled my um, banana bread burning earlier, you would have had a visceral reflex. <laughs> right. That's right. We took the banana bread, chucked it, and went with blueberry bread. We're fine now. Or like how our swallow is reflexive. You think about all yes. the muscles that are reflexive and like in your pharynx, automatic. That's more appropriate of a comparison <laughs> than burnt banana bread, but you know, hey, uh, one of us, one of us has to be comedic relief given yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, true. There, there. Okay, all right. So then, we wanted to divide this up between um, uh, cranial nerves for speech and cranial nerves for swallowing. But like, let's be honest, like they all overlap. So. We'll talk specifically about the speech ones, and then we'll switch into the swallowing ones. But y'all, seriously, just bear in mind that there is a huge overlap between the two, okay? Right. Um, And um, um, Aaron has gone above and beyond to actually figure out which muscles uh, the different parts um, innervate. Uh, And then uh, I went through and I um, highlighted out, okay, so what does that actually look like? So, like, if you have damage to this cranial nerve, my favorite this is- thing to do. It's so weird, but like when we'd study this, I'd be like, okay, so if they have damage here, what do I think this patient's gonna? Look yes, like? yes, or like, yes. and that's how I would study. And my friend would be like, I'd ask her questions while we'd study, and she'd be like, how do you know that that's what she's gonna ask? Like, you always know what she's gonna ask, and I'm like, I don't know. I just like, I'll just give you some questions. <laughs> no, but that's what makes it functional, and I think. I think because I didn't learn it that way, that's why I've struggled with that. Yeah. Does that? Yeah. Like she always, because our, this book that she gave us was 
the muscles were organized by function. So we went over swallow respiration, and then there were muscles of articulation, and then there were muscles of phonation. Like she went through, and it wasn't just like these are all the muscles. We learn the muscles based on their function, and that is the way that I need to learn. And I think it's so helpful because otherwise, it just you're going to compartmentalize it. You're just going to memorize it. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. I mean, I rocked it. I got an A and a an nat, but like here I am a gabillion years later and I don't I don't remember it. Now, right. what I can tell you is that, y'all, this is when we go in and we do our um, evals on a kid. You do your oral mech or you're like, you know, just screening them or, you know, just observing. And when you see abnormalities, this is where that becomes clutch. And I will go back and hit the books, but I am hoping to like um, switch this from short-term to long-term memory. So Mm -hmm. go team. Okay. Let's start with um, the motor nerves and sensory nerves for speech. Done, done, done. Okay. There's a lot and they will overlap. Yep. Um, Um, Let's go go chronological order. Okay. okay. So, so you first want to Yeah. Um because I'm impatient. <laughs> okay, go. I mean, go okay. for it. I was going to start with trigeminal, cranial mm-hmm. nerve 5. Okay. So, um the trigeminal nerve, the the trigeminal nerve, I can talk. It's cool. Uh it focuses on chewing, facial and mouth sensation and the sensory side is called the general somatic afferent component. Okay. So somatic is voluntary. Afferent means sensory. So general somatic afferent has three branches for sensation. The first one is ophthalmic. It covers your, and imagine me like drawing with a marker on my face. It covers my forehead straight down to the very tip of my nose for sensation. Okay. Um, if you have your little one and they curl up in your lap to fall asleep, that's how I rub um, Bear and Goose's foreheads to bed when they were babies. I would rub across their forehead and down the tip of their nose. That's the trigeminal nerve for sensation. All right. Um, the ophthalmic branch. All right. So the second branch, it's called the maxillary. It's just kind of behind the forehead. It goes down under the eye, down to the sides of the nares and covers your top lip. Okay. So, um, when everybody's making that duck face and putting their lipsticks on and you can tell when you've, um, missed your top lip, yo, that was the, um, maxillary branch of the sensory portion of the trigeminal nerve. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the mandibular, it goes from behind, um, the back of the eyes down the backside of the cheeks along the mandible and hits your big old beautiful bottom lip for sensation. Now, the motor side, whew, special visceral efferent is what that one's called. Uh-huh. And it innervates the muscles for mastication, the laryngeal muscles. This is all you, Aaron. The tensor tympanini. That's not a panini. And the tensor velum pal. There it is. Tensor the other big fancy word. Yeah. Okay. Italian. It does. I'm not. You are. Okay. So there's my contribution to the trigeminal nerve. But for speech, how does that impact? If you have difficulties with movement, um, how are you going to be able to do the artic and phonology? 
So, Aaron, I'm going to let you, I'm going to pass the um, giant microphone over to you for the motor stuff. Help! What do the muscles do? <laughs> so, the tensor velae palatini allows air into the middle ear. You think of your palate, um, which can definitely impact hearing, which can impact speech. Um, you're also talking about, like, this deals with speech and feeding because a lot of these muscles are involved in mastication as well. Mm-hmm. And then, you, I mean, sensation, I, as we know, sensation is going to play a big part in speech, especially for our kids that were working with um, articulation because you use a lot of cues for them to like feel where their tongue is or touch cues, things like that. Um, This nerve would be, would impact if they weren't able to do that. And I've also got a note where it does, um, it receives pain and touch for the anterior two-thirds of the tongue and teeth. So Mm -hmm. um, if you've got um, a tiny person that's got issues with um, dentition, um, like the milk rod, um, then that's going to impact right through here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Some other... Some other damages, you could have decreased sneezing capabilities if you have damages to your trigeminal nerve. Sorry, I was just thinking about you um, sneezing two seconds ago. Um, uh, uh, Paralysis of um, ipsilateral muscles of mastication, um, absence or exaggerated jaw jaw reflex, um, and uh, certain lesions can have unilateral... A unilateral lesion can have a mild effect on bite strength, while bilateral lesions could have a severe effect on bite strength. So if you, um, and y'all, we've seen this with our children that are non-accidental traumas, TBIs, um, that have unilateral hemiparesis. Well, they can, they can chew down, but they have decreased sensation on that one side. So what are they going to do? They're going to pocket on that side. Or if the bolus gets over there and they're chewing, they may not realize that they have um, chewed through the inside of their cheek. Um, I mean, I don't know how many times. I've seen that, fortunately, more times mm-hmm. than I care, care to. Um, or um, our little ones that have, um, when they chew on their hands, uh, I've got a couple of kiddos that have, um, they're on a lot of medications, and so they're just... Um, or they have, um, a lo- I have two little ones that have Rett syndrome and they're constantly putting their hands in their face and chewing on it. Uh, every once in a while they bite too hard and actually break skin, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. So there's that one. Mm-hmm. So there's no way we can separate out speech and swallowing. How about we just like say how it could affect both while we go through? Would that be more easier? That's true. That makes sense. Okay. Cause okay, we're going to go like, we're going to, yeah. We'll do that. Yeah. All right. So then um, cranial nerve six. Dun, dun, dun. You want to run with it? Um, I always refer to like you said, I say abducens. How did you say it? Abducens. Abducens. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I've never, I, 
I well, maybe I say it abducens too because that's how I remember it. Like you look at people's how abs, you spell it. so it's motor <laughs> to the eye muscles. I I just remembered the Lego Batman when he has a ninth ab muscle that's right smack dab in the center. So sorry. Oh. <laughs> yes, but continue. I apologize. Yes. No. So for this one, I don't. I always just viewed it as the eye muscles. Do you know of any other like speech or? Swallowing the um, impacts? Tracking a bolus coming at you. The optic nerve, the abducens, and the ocular motor nerve. Sorry, optic mm-hmm. nerve is cranial nerve two, ocular motor is cranial nerve three, abducens, um, cranial nerve six. Um, if any of your tiny humans have a cortical vision impairment or are born with cataracts, um, Aaron and I both had a little one that was born with um, bilateral cataracts and Another one that I can think off the top of my head that had cataracts due to her um, um, CVAs, like complications. Um, mm-hmm. It is very difficult to be prepped for the oral preparatory stage of the swallow if you can't see the bolus coming at you. Right. So um, if you see that their eyes are rolling, wandering, or having difficulty focusing or looking through you, um, go check out a neuro-ophthalmologist or neuro-optometrist. Sorry, mm-hmm. squirrel. All right, Also, Next one. all of these are located in the brainstem, if we didn't say that before. Oh, we didn't. Good catch. Thank you. So, yeah, so olfactory you... is in the – well, so olfactory is in the cerebral hemisphere. Optic number two is in the diencephalon. And then three and four are in the midbrain. And then trigeminal, abducens, and facial, I think that is eight in the pons too, or did I get that wrong? Let me look. Um, but they're all in the, in the um, brainstem. And um, if cert- there are certain um, Genetic conditions, which will tell parts of the brainstem and or, um, oh my gosh, I can't, um, cerebellum, um, to have absence missing or damaged cortical structures. And then you add in if they have Chiari malformation, putting pressure on the brainstem Mm -hmm. and or um, buildup of cerebral spinal fluid, um, hydrocephaly, post-shunt, pre-shunt, uh, macrocephaly, all of those, fa- all of those. So basically a fair few of your kiddos could have damage there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. All right. So then, um, uh, Our next one nerve. down mm-hmm. facial nerve. Yes. So facial nerve impacts taste from the anterior two thirds of your tongue. Um, mm-hmm. so that's obviously going to impact feeding. That is through the special visceral afferent branch. Mm-hmm. I just think those words are really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then the biggest thing with the facial nerve is motor muscles of facial expression. So okay. you think of like um, your levator, angle, oris. Um, there's a lot of... There's like the, your, they call it your DAO, your depressor, and I don't want to say it wrong, anguliorus. Um, what does that do? Where is that in the face? Oh my God, I have so much learning to do. <laughs> so um, 
there's a ton of muscles that help elevate your lower lip and depress your top lip. Um, okay. And one thing that I really love about these muscles is some don't make sense, like why their name is their name, but like a lot of them do. Like your depressor labi inferior depresses your top lip. That makes so much sense. You know, like a lot of the muscles, especially with like your larynx and your pharynx, it's all where these muscles are connected. So if you think, um, and your tongue muscles too, and we'll go more into it, especially with our vagus nerve. But like a lot of these, if you just think through their names and where they're connected, you can kind of picture what the muscle is going to do. Um, You also have like, and I actually went through and talk about the different muscles for different sounds. So like when you spread your lips for the E sound, you use your buccinator, you use your zygomatic major, you use your rosorius. There's a lot of muscles, but there's so many muscles that deal with your lips like right around your lips. Um, is it your abicularis oris the one that makes you like kiss face? Mm-hmm. I always Superior like and inferior. Yep. And then your buccinator kind of pulls your lips out. Um, and they all – it's just very cool how they all work together. But that's, you know, I think we focus on those muscles. Like they're very important for making all our speech sounds. Okay, hang on. And the for buccinator. drinking from a straw. Yes, and wait, and for drinking from a bottle. I have a little guy on my caseload right now whose buccinator is attached to um, his lower outer right eyelid. So when he drinks from a straw and when he was littler and drank from a bottle, when he would, um, uh, during the rhythmic suck pattern, Um, it would pull down his right eyelid, causing his right eye to overproduce. Like his tear ducts were like overworked, trying to keep it moist because it was irritating the surface of his eyelid. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were worried about it getting um, him scratching his, um, him scratching his eye once he got bigger. And it's gotten way better as he's gotten older. But the first time I saw it, I was like, so what is that? And the mom was like, oh, well, the doctor thinks his buccinator's attached to his eyelid. And I was like, well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. I've never seen that one before. <laughs> but like, yep. Well, because your zygomaticus like pulls upward towards your eyelid. But your buccinator is mostly like that big mass on your cheek. Yes. And, and you can see it in his symmetry in his face when he goes to smile. You can tell Very that it's interesting. I love the is- pictures if you like. And we can post a picture. But if you just search on Google all your facial muscles and they like where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Just all makes Mm -hmm. so much sense when you look at it. So interesting. Such a nerd. Okay. (laughs) You are. We love that about you. Now wait, there's one. Okay. So the facial nerve also has one component, which I think is absolutely fascinating. Um, The general, this is the fancy word, general visceral efferent. It's the regulation of secretions from the nasal, palatal, lacrimal, submaxillary, and sublingual glands, as well as the mucous membrane of the nasopharynx. Okay, hang with me. 
I have a working theory. My brother-in-law who has um, microcephaly, CP, autism, and an intellectual disability and a cortical vision impairment. Uncle Matthew Monster, that's what we call him. Uncle Matthew Monster is sick. The um, not, with, not with COVID, thank the Lord, but just general, like the yellow plague has uh-huh. um, descended upon like Hampton Roads, Virginia, right? Uh, and his, um, he makes so much, so much phlegm when the allergies are going on, he can't control it. So he gets to coughing and choking on the mucus and he throws up every single spring. Only time the man throws up is in the spring and it's not actual emesis. It's he, his body makes so much mucus, Mm -hmm. but part of me wonders, um, uh, the why and whether or not, um, because of his own craniofacial structure and his microcephaly, if that's, um, if that's the rationale behind it, because bless his little heart, when he rubs his nose, he gets a bright red rash across from like, basically from like ear to ear from where he rubs his nose on his like shirt sleeve. <laughs> and, like, and he's got a little ragged beard. Cause it comes his, he's got such, his beard comes in real thick. And so he's always rubbing on it. And then he gets, you know, like it just rubs his little skin raw. And, but like, part of me wonders if that's a component to it, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Squirrel excitement. I wrote something. Um, Can you- oh, so we think about also of, of note with the facial nerve, um, these cranial nerves in the brainstem are innervated bilaterally aside Mm. from those on our lower face. So those nerves that are like, we talked about like our buccinator and the orbiculus oris, those muscles can be impacted just on one side if the nerve is damaged because they're going to innervate and lower ner- lower motor neurons innervate, I think. Taste. I got you on this one. Taste okay. for the two-thirds of the tongue um, and lower motor neuron disease. Um, it can cause um, injury in the pons, can cause lower motor neuron disease, unilateral paralysis of all facial muscles, stapedial muscles, and taste in two-thirds of the tongue. Can you imagine mm-hmm. if you've lost your taste? Ay. Yeah, and it's if um, it's a muscle on the same side of the lesion. That's the other thing, too, with those lower motor neurons. So, like, if the mm-hmm. damage is on the right side, your nerves on the right side are going to be impacted as opposed to the crossing. Okay. All right, I'm random. looking through. Do, not random. I think, but... No, not random. Totally, totally pertinent. Um, well, um, and wait, can I say something also? Sorry. Yeah. Um <laughs> totally fine uh for when we think about our patients that have like dysarthria um there you can kind of tell the difference between an upper motor neuron lesion and a lower motor neuron lesion if both are going to have weakness um only lower motor neurons are going to have atrophy and fasciculations say that again so lower motor neuron if that's impacted you will have atrophy and fasciculations are signs of lower motor neuron damage. If for lower motor neuron, your reflexes are going to be decreased and your tone is going to be decreased. For upper motor neuron lesions, your reflexes are going to be increased and your tone is going to be decreased. 
So there's, it's like very interesting to think about, like, because that's very pertinent to, especially for our, um, adult patients. And I will look and see if I can find it, but there's a chart somewhere where we talk about, oh, like you also think about, um, like your dysarthrias. So your flaccid dysarthria would be lower motor neuron. I have so many times with flaccid dysarthria mm-hmm. that I have. And, and honestly, there's an increased prevalence for flaccid dysarthria amongst the um, community um, of individuals who have Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, they're known for lower tone. Right. And lower reflexes where spastic, the reflexes are increased, and so that's going to be upper motor neuron. Mm-hmm. Which correlates to our individuals with spastic CP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect hand in hand. And I think okay. it just, when you think about muscles, ver- like like comparing to apraxia versus the dysarthria, like I think those motor neurons in the brainstem that's what's impacted as opposed to apraxia, which would be impacted higher up at Broca's area. So just Mm -hmm. that's how, like, that's the only way I understand those things is if I like relate them to something that we do. See, yeah, no, totally. Um, Okay. All right. Next one up, vestibular cochlear or the acoustic nerve, cranial nerve eight. All right. So why is this important for speech? Dun, dun, dun. Hearing. Um, mm-hmm. Hearing loss. Also, um, it's a special somatic afferent nerve. So it's special for sensation. Um, it maintains equilibrium and head orientation in space, uh, which I kind of find amazingly delightfully interesting because um, uh all of our little ones, um, and if anybody here has ever had vertigo or um, chronic um, uh, chronic fluid in your ears, it does make you dizzy. Mm-hmm. And so we, I mean, I couldn't tell. I mean, both my kids had chronic ear infections. I mean, good Lord, we put Goose's tubes in. I'll, I'll never forget um, <laughs> when we went back with Bear for tubes, the um, nurse anesthetist was like, oh, my heavens, I remember you. Your kid had the most pus in his ears I've ever seen. I wonder how this one will go. And I was like, thank God I know you, because otherwise that would be very alarming. <laughs> but like Goose's ears ran for two days after his tubes went in to get all the fluid out. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely going to throw off. And he was, he was very, he was not my daredevil. Um, and Bear to this day um, will not do a forward roll because of all of his. He fun. says he does a forward roll and then rolls on his side. He's like, look, guys. <laughs> he rolls like a pickle, like on his side. And he goes, I'm doing a forward roll. <laughs> and bless it. Nicole, if you're listening, woman, we have tried. You're just going to have to leave Jersey. Come back to the South woman because Bear needs you. <laughs> but like he tries so hard. He really does. Uh, I mean, he likes the ladies. Maybe I could just enroll him in gymnastics and like positive peer pressure. will teach that kid how to flip. Mm-hmm. But like in the meantime, um, his vestibular cochlear acoustic cranial nerve eight definitely took a hit. Um, also, damage to this cranial nerve may also result in 
nystagmus. Mm-hmm. Random factoid. But I think that's very, very interesting, especially when we're assessing our little ones that have Down syndrome because they, a lot of them have nystagmus and also have um, uh, risk for hearing loss. Mm-hmm. So I am not the audiologist. I don't understand um, the correlation as to why. I just know it's a red flag. So note to self, if I see a little one that has nystagmus, I'm going to ask about their hearing. And that's important for speech production. Mm-hmm. So, um, also, stressed out mommy point, um, and I am a mom and an SLP. My own kids, um, their speech therapy can't start on Friday for his vocalic R because of the virus. So um, I, I am just acknowledging the anxiety in that statement, um, and then um, we'll just move it along. So um, if anybody wants to do teletherapy with Bear, let me know. Um, South Carolina can't pay you for it yet, but I'll send baked goods. Okay. So next cranial nerve is the glossopharyngeal. Um, Dun, dun, dun. Cranial nerve nine. Hey, look at us. We're, we're staying in our timeframe. We're doing good here. Okay. So glossopharyngeal is incredibly pertinent for swallowing. Um, and, um, I'll go through, can I say the fancy words? Cause I like saying the fancy go words. For it's good it. practice. Okay. So part of it is a general visceral afferent and it mediates the general sensation from the palate, the posterior third of the tongue, oral pharynx, middle ear, eustachian tubes, and carotid sinus. How do I say that, Aaron? Carotid sinus? Um, yeah. Uh, it's also um, part of it is the special visceral afferent. So it mediates the taste sensations for the posterior one third of the tongue. This is one of those lovely mixed nerves um, and the oropharynx. Um, general visceral efferent. So this is the motor part of it. Parasympathetic regulations of secretions from the parotid gland and oropharyngeal mucosa glands. Keeps everything moist. Um, and special visceral efferent. Um, so, um, controls the stylopharyngeus muscle, which assists with the swallowing. Okay. Can you translate that and make that sound cool in the muscles? <laughs> um, the stylopharyngeus muscle? Well, just the glossopharyngeal nerve in general. <laughs> oh, well, so we're definitely going to be feeding because mm-hmm. of sensation in the palate and the pharynx which as we know sensation is going to impact that motor so we have to sense that there's a bolus and it's the back of the tongue mm-hmm. so that's bottom what part. triggers our swallow going from that's where it goes from a voluntary to involuntary act mm-hmm. which is pretty wait a minute i read something Oh my goodness. There, I, um, I cannot remember if it was, it's in Boston or in Massachusetts. There's a university that's looking at, um, an exterior, um, stimulus, something that goes under the, um, base of your tongue, but then also innervates into your tongue and it triggers your glossopharyngeal to, um, actually swallow. 
um, like when you can't swallow, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm butchering this, but like, say you've had a stroke or damage. Um, um, I will, I will dig that back out. I will dig that article out. Um, but I just read about it. Um, you think um, about all the, like our kids who have a history of like very significant reflux or adults that can impact sensation and that can delay the timing of the swallow because they those nerves have been impacted by acid or if they've had damage from a stroke or different things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the um go ahead. No, no, go. The stylopharyngeus is the muscle that opens up like it opens up and widens your pharynx to allow the bolus to get through more easily. So that's very important if we don't want to be choking, if we want to make sure we have that good pharyngeal constriction. Okay. It also, I have a note where it can also result, damage to the glossopharyngeal can result in dry mouth or mm-hmm. excessive oral secretions. Um, uh but part of me wonders after I read that if that um, if that cranial nerve is impacted by um, pharmacological stuff like the anti-collagenic mm-hmm. type of medications if it's just more susceptible to it so um, and this is just me talking, y'all, I don't have an answer for that. That's just like me big picture thinking, like, is it actual damage to the nerve or is it, um, could it also be like medicine induced damage, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. That will be my next middle of the night. I can't sleep. Let's figure it out. Thought process. How about that one? Well, you just, these nerves are so, it's very interesting to think how they can be damaged and like you said medication when we talk about can play a huge role Mm -hmm. in our cranial nerves because this is our brainstem this is this is the lowest like the lowest functioning that we need to survive like breathe eat sleep all that our muscles like what it's controlling and especially with our kids that have seizures I mean when they're trying to shut down, shut that down. I mean, I had, and we'll talk about the vagus, well, the vagus nerve is next, but Mm -hmm. I had a patient that had a vagal nerve stimulator, um, because seizure seizure. regulation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you think, okay, this vagus nerve is, I mean, we'll go in, we can go into it now, but like it, we like, I think of, and the glossopharyngeal think about, Tongue, glossopharyngeal, pharynx. That's mostly what it deals with. Um, the vagus nerve, like you go to Vegas and there's everything in Vegas. Like this is just. <laughs> That's the best analogy like, ever. nerve has literally everything. That's what we always say. It's like the light you got, like, I mean, we can, there's a lot. But okay, all right. So vagus nerve does swallowing, inflammation, and cardiac, and digestion, and poop. <laughs> and like, uh, sorry, I got excited. Okay, yeah. Then okay, I think we've wrapped glossopharyngeal. So yeah, now let's I'm go sorry. straight in. 
no, it's it's totally cool. All right, so cranial nerve ten is your vagus nerve. Yeah. Um, as um, as Aaron, how do you say it? Aaron go bra go Aaron. Aaron what go is, bra what, means Ireland be free. On our yes, side. my dad used to always tell me he'd be like, now Aaron, when you go to school. Be aware because like kids might make fun of you and say, Aaron, go brawless. Never once in my life did someone ever – was anyone ever smart enough to make a joke like that. My dad would warn me every year. He'd be like, they're going to make fun of you. And I was like, no one ever did, but I love him for warning me. That is, But that's that's a perfect segue to the Vegas nerve and everything stays in Vegas. So yes. <laughs> I mean, you can't top that one between that and our opening pneumonics. We're adulting. We have not lost our minds in the zombie virus. We're fine. Okay. So let me go through the the technical terms and then we'll we'll roll into the, the functional stuff. Okay. So technical. So general visceral afferent. So, um, and again, this is the sensation. Um receives general sensation from pharynx, larynx, thorax, abdomen, carotid body, body, and aortic body. So your heart, um, it regulates nausea, oxygen, um, general visceral efferent, um, innervates your glands and muscles and the heart, trachea, blood vessels, esophagus, bronchi, stomach, and intestines. Um, that's the motor part. So it's telling them what to do. Yes. So if, and I, I have to do the function here for this one. If you have a kid that is a cardiac patient and struggling with constipation, nausea, um, any of that, that could directly be correlated. So um, if I see a kid that's having way delayed gastric emptying and way delayed GI motility, and I know that they've got a PDA or a VSD waiting on surgery, but like we're having a major change and everything's slowing down, we're going to call their PCP and their cardiologist. Mm-hmm. Um, um, special visceral afferent um, mediates taste sensation from epiglottics, pharynx, and laryngopharynx. Um, special visceral efferent controls muscles of the larynx, pharynx, and soft palate for deglutition and resonation. Okay, wait. The general, the difference between general and the special nerves, um, like what that means. General is, um, it's like a spinal nerve component and specialized just means that it has specific functions. Like it's very, um, it's the class A act. Oh my God, I totally fluffed my hair when I said that. But um, it's, it's, it's the fancy ones. Mm-hmm. All right. So go. Sorry. Well, so um, there's the different branches mm-hmm. and superior and recurrent, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me I didn't screw that up. No, that's correct. <laughs> and then there, there's the superior laryngeal and then recurrent laryngeal. And there's also the pharyngeal. And overall, they deal with motor to the inferior laryngeal. Um, constrictor and the intrinsic laryngeal muscles. So like the intrinsic laryngeal muscles are all your muscles in your larynx that deal with your vocal folds. Um, and then they'll see with your palatal muscles, except your tensor velae palatini that we talked about earlier is in your trigeminal and deals with your eustachian tube. So like those ear infections can be impacted mm-hmm. by that. Um, the superior laryngeal nerve deals with the cricothyroid, and that muscle is going to change your pitch. 
Um, so if that's impacted, I think the cricothyroid increases your pitch if I'm not incorrect. I'll have to double check. Wait, so for those of us that don't sing, that means going from uh to ah uh, like that? Oh, yeah. I like the good. There you go. Yeah. Hey. Hey, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, what is that movie that I've seen snippets of? Pitch Perfect? Pitch Perfect. Yes. Yes. And the recurrent laryngeal nerve deals with all the other intrinsic laryngeal muscles that can either decrease pitch, they deal with abducting the vocal folds, adducting the vocal folds. Um, I could list all of them, but that's also a lot. Um, And your front, like this nerve is also going to deal with like the opening and closing of your palate. So whether it's to close off during swallowing so we don't have any nasal pharyngeal regurgitation or wait 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 wait. we when we saw dr arvidson this summer no it wasn't the summer it was in november she called it pharyngeal nasal regurgitation because she said it starts yeah pharynx goes up and i thought that was bloody brilliant she goes it's the only she said it so matter of factly she just raised her hand she was just like uh, how, how did she something to the effect of it's the only part of the system that we don't go through and give it the correct anatomical description. So mm-hmm. I call it the pharyngonasal reflux. And I was like, that's brilliant. So yeah, squirrel. Sorry. No, I but contribute. that, um, or it's going to deal with, um, like our nasal sounds. So if you have, you know, if you have a kid that, you have concerns for VPI, their velopharyngeal insufficiency. Mm-hmm. And I have so. If you, where was this? I thought I had all the muscles. Um. Maybe I don't. But I'm trying um, to think um, if there's um, anything else that I'm missing. I thought I had a whole example about. Um, how what muscles we use to produce? Uh, um, but go ahead. I was gonna say, um, this is where I get confused on: is it VPA or is it flaccid dysarthria? So when you were talking earlier, mm-hmm. just because those those two factors kind of, um, it's it's difficult to get the differential diagnosis. You need to go see a VPI clinic. Um. But if you have incredible hypernasality of speech, y'all were talking nasal emissions. Um, and it's it just sounds like little rockets coming out of their nose, like whooshes of airs when they're trying to make like a stop or um, um, a, a, what is it? A stop plosive of like P's and B's. If they mm-hmm. can't build up the intraoral pressure, that could be indicative of your damage to your superior. I can't do it. Superior pharyngeal nerve wait i butchered it pharyngeal nerve yes there it is yes perfect Mm -hmm. okay all right so um the recurrent one down south yes that's your intrinsic laryngeal muscles so that's still your vocal fold like that's still dealing with your vocal folds it's just not the cricothyroid okay Okay, so damage to the cranial nerve 10, our wandering nerve, 
um, can cause paralysis of the pharynx and soft palate, dysphagia, resonation difficulties, i.e. hypernasality of speech, paralysis of the vocal folds, dysphagia, um, and decreased autonomic functions such as heart rate, vomiting, coughing, and hiccuping. Mm-hmm. Also, it, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Go. Hiccups and coughing are two modern day mysteries. We still don't have a true etiology behind why some folks chronically hiccup and chronically cough. So, um, my professor coughing is, said it was because it, we thought we were fish. Are you serious? Yeah, my biology teacher said that hiccuping is has something to do with a uh, evolution that never got rid of something. I don't know. He said a lot of things, but <laughs> sometimes I don't, uh, I just throw it out there. So don't worry. We won't turn into zombies by the end of the week. We'll turn into fish. I love it. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's but um, that's your takeaway points from today, folks. And we're done. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, and it's also uh, going to deal with like, you, so intrinsic laryngeal, and like we could go into all the names, but it's a lot, are going to be what focuses, deals with your vocal folds. And then the extrinsic laryngeal muscles are what helps to elevate and move the larynx forward, close off your airway. That deals with a lot of your swallowing. And a lot of those muscles are pretty easy. Tiny. They're very tiny. And the names are like, what they're connected to. So if you look at any of the names of the muscles and you just think about it, it makes sense what their function is. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have four, three minutes, oh, three minutes sorry. to go. No, it's okay. I'm just looking. I hate being the timekeeper, but I, but I am. Um, we have three minutes to go and we're going to cover um, two more nerves. Um, cranial nerve 11 the spinal accessory. Um, and I do want to touch base on this one because it's a special visceral efferent. So it controls head and shoulders um, by innervating the trapezius and the sternocleidoid mastoid muscle. Oh, yeah. And why, I love that. Yeah. It's, it's, one, it's like the one muscle I know. Oh, yeah, um, because of bear. Yeah. Well, yeah, because of bear. Theodore Alexander sprained his sternocleidoid mastoid <laughs> jumping Literally was jumping over a piece of paper in the living room, pretending it was a puddle. My kid sprained his sternocleidoid mastoid jumping. I think it's because of the helmet. Like it was years later, but I'm blaming the helmet, which means I am blaming my terrible uterus. But um, this is important, not just for bear, but also for our tiny humans. If they have um, the rhinoc, um, what is the rhinoc really called? Um, Torticollis. There it is torticollis where i'm from they call it the raw neck and i don't know why but if you have um uh if you have uh inability to turn your head a certain direction so if you think about it if you have a little one that you're working with that has um torticollis how are they gonna um turn their head towards a bottle or if they're breastfeeding and say you have like your dual certification as like a clc or ibclc and you're working with a kiddo that's breastfeeding but they have torticollis they're going to have difficulty turning towards and um, listening to that root reflex on the side where they're where they're tethered down, like the opposite. Like if they're like right sternocleidoid mastoids really tight and they're turned to the right, well then trying to turn to the left is going to be really complicated. So um, this is important. 
Okay. Um, and then the last one in our minute and 10 seconds, um, cranial nerve, um, 12, the hypoglossal. Okay. Let me, let me scroll up to where it is. It's a general somatic efferent. So it controls tongue movement, um, by regulating intrinsic and most intrinsic lingual muscles. Important for speech mm-hmm. and it's, and it's motor. Okay. Damage here can cause um, a dysarthria. It could cause a dysphagia because how are you going to control bolus if you've got um, issues? Um, and um, uh, you can have flaccidity, um, flaccid change in tone or atrophy over time due to damage to your hypoglossal. Erin, um, is that where is where does the hypoglossal come out in the neck? Um, that's a good question. Because I'm just thinking, I've seen kiddos that have, like, where their tongue um, turns um, and deviates, like a unilateral one. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of wondering. Um, I couldn't remember if it was brainstem, like when you were going through and describing if it was like pawns or brainstem. Oh, it's um, in the. medulla i think right yeah i'm trusting you this is I see people this we have a sh- between aaron and i we have a great shared memory <laughs> don't you don't you love it when you find a work wife and you're like hey remember that thing that happened to that one person and we got to do the thing yeah <laughs> okay is there anything you want to add to hypoglossal i don't think so it's just like your tongue it's your tongue. Beautifully, your tongue. beautifully summarized. It can also it's lower your, your – helps to lower your palate too. Okay. So you think about your tongue muscles connecting, like where it connects can impact your palate, can lower them during speech sounds. So it can um, help to create those nasal sounds. Perfect. Okay. All right. Well, then um, – Unless, I get to do maybe not. Maybe it's except the paladoglossus. So you might just take out what I just said. We're fine. Okay. We're fine. We're fine. It's cool. Well, then we'll just Chad hails. <laughs> okay. Um, before we switch over to questions, I've got um, just some spectacular news that I get to share. So speechtherapypd.com is doing something amazing on Monday. They know that there's a lot of SLPs in dire need of creating a new norm and trying to find out how to do teletherapy and early intervention or with adults um, for homebound services stat. Um, And more importantly, they know that we need to know how to do it right for all of our tiny humans through geriatric humans. So this coming Monday, they will be having a day of firsts. So please stay tuned, but the long and the short of it is that there's going to be a seven-hour live and free CEU event just to educate folks about best practice for teletherapy. So check out speechtherapypd.com backslash teletherapy for details as... um, um, as always over here, all of us over here at First Bite, we will share um, additional links and information once we get them. Um, in the meantime, uh, if you need a good cry, honey, we are, <laughs> trust me, 
the anxiety of what's going on has hit both of us and all of us. Um, And so if you need a good cry, we are right here. But again, don't forget about that joy that comes with the morning light because it will burn away all of the fears and doubts that we have. Till then, um, happy St. Patrick's Day, which is um, definitely my favorite, second favorite holiday. Um, May your drink be green and frothy. Also, uh, be sure to head over to First Bite, our Instagram account, because we are giving away a tumbler. It's a First Bite, then Sip SLP um, uh, wine tumbler. You can tag three friends between now and March 31st, and we will gladly ship within the continental United States. It's amazingly um, sparkly. It's got champagne and white on it, and um, it's, we kind of like that it glitters. Uh, we want to give a thanks to to gifted uh, the gifted hands of at cups by Christina for making it. And she can be found on Facebook. So, um, Aaron, that was a lot. Um, let me switch this over to questions. Can you hold on? Feeding matters guides system wide changes by uniting caregivers, professionals, and community partners under the pediatric feeding disorder Alliance. So what is this Alliance? The Alliance is an open access collaborative community focused on achieving strategic goals within three focus areas, education, advocacy, and research. So who is the Alliance? It's you. The Alliance is open to any person passionate about improving care for children with a pediatric feeding disorder. To date, 187 professionals, caregivers, and partners have joined the Alliance. You can join today by visiting the Feeding Matters website at www.feedingmatters.org. Click on PFD Alliance tab and sign up today. Change is possible when we work together. That's a wrap, folks. Once again, thank you for listening to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional. I'm your humble but yet sassy host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through speechtherapypd.com. Please check out the website if you'd like to learn more about CEU opportunities for this episode, as well as the ones that are archived. And as always, remember, feed your mind, feed your soul, be kind, and feed those babies. Mm -hmm.